Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage here in sunny Santa Cruz, California. And we've got a pretty special show for you this weekend. Um, actually, we're not all here in Santa Cruz. In fact, we're not even all in California. We got some limeys with us here. So let's get to oh, some introductions. Limey. I go limey, limeys. <laughs> I don't think limeys is the correct term to Liza, but that's all right. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Liza, and coming to us from his love shack, it's Naked Jim. Hey, hey, peace, love, and souls, the international edition. I'm <laughs> stoked, man. This is great. I love it. That's right. And uh, uh, Haley's got to be sauced by now in uh, <laughs> British time. Was... Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know, I started doing this new thing. I wanted to bring in stunt misfits. You know, uh, we had the other week we had uh, Doctor Detroit Tamar come in to help us out talking about the Quinn helmets. And so for this one, I called in another stunt stunt misfit it's Haley bell from Wur Wur. how you doing Haley? i'm doing grand crashing in from the uh from the british uh british island over here yeah <laughs> that's okay you're an, an an ama award winner you're welcome anytime oh i'm there yeah I'm there. yeah we have that in common Haley. Yeah, that yeah, special relationship, as they say. I, like, I need to just show, see, where's my award? It's There it is. It's over on the mantle behind Aww. me. There we go. Proud to play. Exactly. But uh, I brought her in because we have a, a great interview today um, with another badass female writer. So um, she's been, well, all when I say all over the world, I mean it. She's been all over the world, and she's got a book about it. Um, Lots of YouTube videos, all sorts of stuff. Uh, great stories. Um, so we brought on, this is Steph Jevons with us. Hey, Steph, how you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Good. Good. And where are you uh, coming to us from? I am from uh, coming from Wales. So, um, yeah, still part of the island, but um, we like to think we're the minority. So we, we like to sort of, um, well, actually, we're on lockdown now. We're the only part of the island. No. Are we the only part? But we, we've got a full-on lockdown in Wales, so the whole of Wales is locked down at the moment for two weeks. I hear um, that's the good so side well. of the island. It absolutely <laughs> is. <laughs> it is the good side of the island, in my opinion, but I might be a little bit biased on that. No, you're not. It is. <laughs> <laughs> my riding territory has been locked down. <laughs> Shit. It, is, it, it is great for riding, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of twisties, a lot of off-road as well, a lot of trails at the moment, although, you know, hey, we're always getting... Uh, we're always getting them closed off, but um, mm. because we're such a small island that uh, you know we're always fighting for space. But Wales does still have a lot of good road and off-road riding, so yeah, I love it. I, I've I have been all over the world, but Wales is still one of my favourite places. And from what I can tell, you love to ride in the rain. <laughs> well, you've got to like it. You, you know, you just got to go with the flow. Haven't you? You haven't got a choice. <laughs> miserable. Exactly. What choice do you have? Exactly. So, you can't change if you can't change the weather. Change your attitude. That's it. Just, you know. And when, I you like get that. puddles, 
with rain, you get puddles, you know, so you can splash through puddles. It's great. Yeah, Jim, you should uh, check out some of her, her videos on her YouTube channel. Uh, she does oh, I totally would. dirt biking and you're just oh, yeah. slogging in the mud and puddles <laughs> and the trails. I'm like, that looks miserable. And they're just having fun. It's going yeah, back and forth. And- I have I have slogged through the rain in Scotland for a week or so. And oh, there most you of the go. puddles ended up uh, in my pants for the most part. Not <laughs> because I'm scared, yeah, but, you know, that little puddle that sits in your seat. The last time I met yeah, you, Jim. You were actually heading face first into a puddle as well, and I rescued you. Oh, really? <laughs> I forgot about that. That was a little bit different. That was, that was the I'm puddle sure. of doom. Yeah. That was like a pig wallow. Well, it didn't kill that motorcycle, by the way. It's it's not it it's it's not all puddles all the time. In fact, uh, I really enjoyed watching your videos. Uh, you ride adventure, dirt, track, and snow. Uh, you do everything. <laughs> is there? Did I leave anything out? Well, yeah, no. Um, but track is a very new one for me. I've only just got into track. I've only done two track days, and I and I've uh, you know now ending for the season. So I'm just getting used to the smooth stuff. It's weird. Like there's no ruts. There's no puddles. Um, uh, it's it's pretty cool actually. I'm I'm really enjoying that, and I get to wear full set of leathers which is obviously a bonus (laughs) nice the thing i love about that and and the thing about um you know the misfits our crew we love all styles of riding and encourage everyone to try different types because it only makes you a better rider overall to so to see you doing all these things uh is great it just means that you are to me like that's that's real biker shit like you want to be a better biker in every way yeah, and you know what? I, it doesn't make me particularly uh, good at anything, it ju- just in the sense that I enjoy it. I, I have fun with it. I'm not competing against anybody but but myself, I suppose, in a way. And, you know, I do trials riding. I, I, I do, as you said, trail riding, enduro riding. <clears throat> and it's all just fun to me. And, I, and I'm still absolutely rubbish at all of it, to be honest. But I find that each time I do it, I get a certain uh, a sense of, um, achievement. I have fun. It's good for my mental health. You know, it's it's um, it's just it's great. And I think if you don't take yourself too seriously, then there's no reason to be to be scared of trying all these things because it's just you know. <laughs> well, let's go back to the start. Um, how and when did you get into writing? <clears throat> Oh, when did I get into riding? Well, my first serious boyfriend, I guess, was uh, was a biker, and um, so and he had the leathers and stuff and the and the, the, the sexy sounding exhaust. You know, really, it was just an exhaust with a hole in it that he deliberately put in to make it sound sexier. <laughs> and um, that was in the days of the mullet hairdos and and the black leather. And um, I, I loved all that. I absolutely loved it. And I, I met a lot of good people that way. My parents were into bikes as well. So um, into motorbikes uh. as well. But uh, I blame the first boyfriend more than them, really. Um, and then I, I just evolved into it. You know, I was sat on the, perched on the back initially, as you do. Uh, but that didn't last long. I, I couldn't be doing with that. So, um, so uh, yeah, just, I, I took my test at, at 21, I think. So, yeah. Been been a while, and uh, you quite a similar story. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. What was your first? What, what was your first bike? Um. Oh well, I don't know if you can call it a bike, but my <laughs> first bike was an M- an MZ fifty, which um, which I painted purple to match my Doctor Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Small bikes, big fun. <laughs> and then, and then, and then I had a, a GPZ, um, mm-hmm. and after that, a GS500, the Suzuki GS500, mm-hmm. 
and and so on. But I I, gave, I didn't ride for a long time because I had my son, and so I had to sort of. Uh, you know, decide financially what I was going to have. And it had to be a car because I had to do the shopping and do the, you know, usual stuff. And and so um, I, I sort of gave up riding for a while until he was a bit older and had a bit more money. And then I was back into it again. Um, so I, I, big time after that. So, yeah, probably had probably had 10 years where I didn't do much riding at all. So, yeah. Wow. And when you got back into riding, was it mostly just uh, street riding? Or how did you get into the, the dirt and adventure? <clears throat> well, um, I decided one day with my sister, uh, we were sat having a Sunday gathering, family gathering. She was reading The Guardian and she saw an advert in the newspaper for an off-road challenge in South Africa, which was for, to raise money for charity. And um, we'd been talking about needing a challenge. So she, she said, oh, look at this. And I said, that looks interesting. And we don't, we've never done any off-road before. And she, and she said, oh, it looks good. So I ripped it out of her hand and I said, we're doing it. And uh, on, on the Monday, I phoned her up and I said, uh, you owe me £500. Um, I've signed us up and I've paid the deposit. So now we've got to find the rest of the money. And uh, we best get some training. And um, <laughs> so uh, so that's what we did. And um, actually, strangely, from that, that kind of changed my life in a way because I was a mortgage advisor at the time. And um, the, uh, the, the I ended up having some training for the off-road. And the guy who trained us, uh, you, you know, we had a weekend training. And, and uh, of course, you all get drunk in the evening and eat Chinese and, and get drunk and have a chat. And he said, oh, I'd love to... <laughs> I'd love to sort of um, set up a, a proper off-road school. And I was like, well, why don't you? And he said, well, um, I've never really, um, I don't really know much about business and stuff. And I said, right, drunkenly, right, when I get back from Africa, we're going to set one up together. And um, and that's what we did. And then we ended up getting sponsorship from Honda and, and uh, running an off-road business together. And I, and I learned really my off-road skills by following my customers and going, look ahead, follow him. <laughs> You'll be great, you know, and then falling off and then quickly jumping up. And then <laughs> so you, do, you do it really well, you know. So, um, so yeah, it was. It was so, <laughs> it was do you dive? Learning stuff. Do you dive into the deep end on all things? I tend to, yeah, and I, and I, I'm, but yeah, <laughs> I tend to pay the price for it often, but um, but yeah, it's all good fun. Wow, just checking. You're not like entered in any like MotoGP races next year or anything, right? <laughs> That's not what this whole track day is about. Uh, you never know. I, I do get quite competitive. So my first time on the track, I was just like, "Oh, I'm going to let these noisy guys go ahead of me. I'm just going to pot around." And in fact, I felt like by the end, I was going, "I just want to stop for a coffee <clears throat> now," you know. But then by the second time on the track, I was like, "How dare you overtake me!" <laughs> you know. So it's amazing where. <laughs> <laughs> where this comes from but competitive spirit is good right <laughs> yeah you could say that so your idea to go around the world was that a similar dive into the deep end <clears throat> um actually well it's a it's a long story do you want do you want the long story or the short story oh we only have about an hour or two so okay well semi <laughs> 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 story um so i, I had a, a dream to travel uh very early on so mm -hmm. when i was younger probably um 18 i uh got involved in in drugs i, I got quite heavily involved in drugs as a lot of people did in that time in the late 80s early 90s there was a sort of an influx of, of heroin hitting 
places like Wales and Scotland. And um, that got me into a lot of trouble. As, as you rightly pointed out, I do tend to dive into the deep end to everything I do. Um, I ended up in, in prison, um, and which was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. I uh, And in my prison cell, I decided that I was going to change my life and that I, I have to change my life and that this really wasn't me and how the hell did I get here in the first place. And um, uh, that ch- changed a lot of, of my thinking and, uh, and that kind of thing and uh, my outlook on life. And I decided then, I, I literally wrote a to-do list that said, um, you know, get off drugs, travel the world, you know. And um, and that's what I did. It took me a long time. I mean, there was 20 years between that moment I'm leaving um, on, on my big journey. But that was always my drive was to, A, to prove something to myself that I, I wasn't <clears throat> that person anymore. And, you know, in between I did lots of things. Um, but there was always this itch to 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 go and see more of the world. And I, and I did sort of lots of smaller journeys and backpacking and that kind of stuff. But um, there was always this itch to do something big. And... Um, 20 years later, my, uh, you know, I'd had my son by then, I'd, uh, he'd, he'd grown up and, and, and uh, there came a point where it was, are you going to do this now or, or not or never? And, um, and so I decided to, to, to go for it. And, and the, the, um, the, the riding seven continents sort of came later, it evolved from that. But uh, that was really the drive. And, and that's what I've written about in the book is, is a lot of that, which came as a big shock to a lot of people because it's not something I generally talked about in, right. you know, in, in polite conversation. And, and um, uh, But I also felt it was really important to be very honest about it because that is the story. You know, there's no point writing fiction. This is, um, you know, this is a true story. This is me. And unless you understand what drove me in the first place, you don't really you're only getting part of the story and there's no point writing about it if, if you're not going to tell the facts, you know? Um, and it's important to me. It's kind of like the final um, act of, of liberty for me to write about it and tell people because now I have nothing to fear, you know? So um, do you so, find yeah. do you find that motorcycles are a good substitute for drugs? Because I've heard a therapist before prescribe to somebody to get into motorcycling because it yeah. gives them that same outlet and that rush and release and all the things. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for me, I always need something, some kind of outlet. And mm-hmm. originally I found drugs and uh, that didn't work out too well for me. And it, it doesn't serve for most people. But, um, you know, a, a young a, as a teenager, you know, you don't always think about the consequences too much. And later on, of course, finding some other kind of outlet, which, which yeah, for me, happened to be motorbike, was a perfect substitute Um it has many similarities and says it costs you a fortune. You know, it's going to take over your life. <laughs> but uh, there are less downsides. Um, and uh, it really is a, a, a high. It's, um, it's, it's a meditation. It's a therapy. Uh, it gets out your aggression. It gives you time to think. I call it my helmet time. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it gives, makes you feel alive, which is, is, um, is a great thing. You know, it doesn't numb. It doesn't numb the pain. It, it takes it away and it makes you feel even better. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. We've, we've met a few people where um, have ended up with substance abuse and, and a little bit of jail time. And when they're able to kind of get that monkey off the back, it's amazing. These are some of those creative people I know. You know, now I've met you, but I've met a couple of them where as soon as they can kind of get their head clear and get away from drugs, all of a sudden these, this, this person comes out that's creative and ambitious. It's wild. 
I think it's something to do with the personality type um, in the mm-hmm. sense that uh, you, we're looking for something. We, we um, And we have a, <clears throat> you know, we want to dive into these things. We want to experiment. We want to, to try life. And, and so often we will go down the same thing that leads us down that path to destruction, to ultimate self-destruction, is also the same path, if we can get off that, is also the same path that will lead us to, you know, all the great things in life, um, if only we can steer ourselves in the right direction. You know? so, yeah. so how long was the planning process for this seven-continent trip? Oh, well, I um, I, I decided I was going to do it probably... Uh, well, I said I was going to I was gonna set off in three years' time. I thought, you know, I'll get myself organized. And then I brought it forward by two years. So it was probably 12 months of... <laughs> I, thought, oh, I can't wait that long and brought it forward and and the planning itself was really more about the financial side of things um the I, I did put a big map on my wall and i and i drew on it and i sort of went right i'm going to go this way Haley will know a lot about this because you know it's, it's that sort of thing of well can we go that way yeah oh no we can't go that way because of this or if we go that way we have to have that and and then you go mm, well wipe that line out and i'll go that way instead now what what about this area you know and um and generally, I stuck to the plan, although there were a few changes along the way. But um, yeah, the, the biggest part was the financial aspect, I suppose, of, of making that work. Um, so yeah, can can we ask how much you budgeted for it? <laughs> okay, well, I was a bit naive when I started. And I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought I had ten thousand pounds, and I was like, okay, this will do. Well, I can make it work, and I think I, I managed to sort of figure out totally wrongly but uh, I, I managed to think right okay well if i spend this much per day it's something like five pounds a day on food and this much on petrol and um then i could last for the 16 months um and yeah that'll work fine <laughs> whatever I, I, <clears throat> that's as naive as planning an around the world relay in six months yeah, no, I can see Haley I'll trying second to that. Say something. Yeah. i'll second that i think like liza was very um fundamental to the the whole planning side of like the yeah. replay and, and organizing my, that myself my, yeah i was gonna yeah. say myself and michelle were the the global route planners so we went through that had to rearrange the route because of uh political issues between two countries um different things uh being allowed to enter with certain passports this and that and we had to keep redrawing that line and then you got oh now we're into winter in finland scratch that out you know and it was it's quite hard to actually plan around the world yeah it really is because no matter which way you go and what time you leave you're always going to hit some you just mentioned weather then as well and there's, there's yeah. always going to be some kind of weather whether it's heat or cold but usually both right and uh, <laughs> depending well, on how long you're going to take but yeah we actually have um a lot of parallels and uh, uh things in common for instance you started your trip i believe from the ace cafe in march uh during some cold kind of rainy weather so did the relay. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, oh, although, <laughs> yes. We were there too. Well, actually, my, actually my, my, my leaving day wasn't so bad. It was, um, I got really lucky with my leaving in the spring through Europe. I was really lucky. It was the way yeah. back that, that I got hit with um, whatever it was, storm, something or other. And um, yeah, that, that was 
that was so cold. <laughs> it was awful. I've sort of heard like talks around around when you come back as well, and like you know when you set off and you left, you had this you know crowd of people sort of cheering you on, and it was all like very excited. And then was it? Uh, correct me if I've got it wrong, but I think like when you came back, there was like less people sort of there, and it was almost <laughs> a bit like a deflation. Like you just ridden through all this shitstorm getting yeah. home you've just finished like coming around the world uh, and then some and then you come back and it's sort of you know shit weather and you're like oh was there a feeling of fuck right. i'm back like yeah well yeah well it was kind of oh well that's that then i could do with a cup of tea and a bacon butty and i think that was actually the first thing that i said instead of something like profound or whatever but the, the problem was I, i'd gone through through uh europe and through sort of france was obviously the last the last country and I was contacting people saying, because I had the blood bikers all saying they were going to come and meet me. I had friends mm-hmm. and family and all. And I, in the end, I was saying, look, there's storm warnings, weather warnings. Like, go, you know, don't come. Snow would hit the country and it was minus whatever. And it was <laughs> the wind and the rain. Oh, it was awful. And then I was traveling back thinking, why have I come back at this time of year? Why didn't I just wait? And then I said to, I had some that were going to meet me in France. And I said to them, including my mum and dad on their, their individual bikes and, a couple of friends or whatever and um i'd said to them look don't come and and my mum was like what well, don't you want us to come i was going no it's not that it's just that it's horrible out there <laughs> and um and they came anyway and and they we had a, a little party in france and then they rode back with me through these terrible conditions and it was thanks to them really that kept me going otherwise you know because i was aching i had a lot of pains and stuff as well so um it was a horrible ride back but then we got back and i got my my cousin who's a policeman uh in london a police biker he came and met us and escorted us in that was pretty cool and then i arrived back and everybody was sort of in in the ace cafe the people that were there were inside having sort of coaching around their um their coaching is welsh for cuddling by the way (laughs) (laughs) coaching around their cups of tea and um uh you know and then sort of somebody went oh she's here and a couple of people came out you know <laughs> like oh hi and i was just like god it's cold <laughs> so yeah and, and it didn't really feel that exciting or that uh momentous at all to be honest but um i suppose it sinks in afterwards well and another thing that we have in common i found out that after going around the world uh we were both at the mcn event speaking on the adventure stage last year um, hang on, where are we? MCN yeah. event. Yeah, Nathan Mill 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 Millward. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah the we were there yeah, too. Yeah. We were, like, how like how did we miss we each other? <laughs> I know, right? Oh God! Oh, that's right. You were yes. Yeah. If oh, if, if you you if you saw me, you would not have you couldn't have missed me. I was wearing a giant evil Knievel red, white, and blue jacket. I was quite the sight, <laughs> of course. But yeah, it was like, oh, wow, we kind of have like been in the same places at the same time, which is pretty cool. Um, last year, was that the year before? That was last... Was it last year? You know what? Yes. I don't even know anymore. It was last... I think no. the years are just... No, it was this year. <laughs> it was this year. No, was it this year? It was this year. It was this year. It was February, February this year was- before the lockdown. No, because I was in India this year in February. Oh, well, okay. Then maybe it's, <laughs> I don't know. So confusing. But um, so let's get to, so, all right, you decide to do this trip. You, you, yeah. you uh, 
plan to set aside a little bit of money to get you through 16 months. And yeah. and you set off in the in the cold wet of, you know, the UK and which way did you go? Which direction did you head? I uh, went I, I heading towards Poland to start with. Mm-hmm. So I went through, um, yeah, across Europe and headed for Poland. I don't know why, no particular reason. Just I, I always fancy having a look at Poland and go to Poland and make and a then, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I went across uh, several different countries until I got to Serbia. And Serbia, because um, I had no intention of going there originally, but um, I had a, a an email from a Canadian guy who lived in Serbia who. Um, who said to me, he was the first person who contacted me saying, I have a place for you to stay if you decide to come through Serbia. And um, he said, I traveled around the world for 18 months on a Lambretta or he's going to hate me. I probably got it wrong. Um, But some silly scooter type thing. (laughs) All the Lambretta people are going to go, ah! Um, But uh, anyway, he'd gone around on this. I was going to say, that's okay. All scooters are silly, so don't worry about oh, it. Oh, stop it. <laughs> well, and, and let me uh, j- jump in real quick. Jim, if you're planning a round-the-world trip, what do you think is the right bike to go around the world on? Have all your possessions, everything. Uh, what's what's go your go-to? D- I would say with every, it would probably be a DR650. Good guess. <laughs> I think you'll be surprised yeah. to find out what... Oh, are we guessing what she rode? Yeah, yeah. so... I thought you asked what I would take. Okay. All right, what do you think What do you think that she took? Oh, gosh. Um, maybe a GPZ 1100? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> See, <laughs> Steph, Steph we've already established you're crazy. Okay, yeah. so I think, you'll, I think you'll appreciate what she chose. Her bike, Ronda, the Honda CRF250L. Get out of town. Yes. Out of town. <laughs> he's he's got totally one too. Surprised. I was riding it earlier this morning. That's why yeah. it was a little chilly when I showed up here. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, great. How fun. Okay. Yeah, it was fun. I, I mean, it was a great bike too. It really did well, you know. It was um they'd only just come out when I when I uh, you know, literally just come off the production line and I said, "Oh, I'll take one of those, please." And um it was a, a good choice. It was a great great bike. Yeah, and as we were saying earlier, it was great. Uh, all the way as it went to the ground when Haley put the first scratches on my brand new bike. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> Liza, <laughs> breaking Liza, in, literally. Yeah. Of course, Liza's <laughs> the one that takes probably, you know, the most durable Japanese-made dirt bike, you know, in the world, puts the cheapest Chinesium product <laughs> where, not like like a little guard, but where you attach the handlebars. <laughs> I came up on Haley Man, and the handlebars had snapped off. I had never seen such a thing. I, so. I, in my defense, I love how you use me as a test dummy as well. Liza. I like to You're buy like, just cheap this Chinese shit. I like to buy cheap Chinese oh, yeah. products and try them out, and I put on some risers, and they just shattered. Someone yeah. else. Okay, well that's fair enough. Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> you know yeah, Haley did not go over the cliff though. That was close. You, you did it not was very close. Edge. It was very close. I know. You slammed yeah. the you slammed the out of that motorcycle though. <laughs> All right, so you head off uh, in Europe. You go to Poland, make a right, and you're heading uh, towards, I guess, the Middle East, towards like India. Yeah, uh, through through. Sorry, go on. Yeah, and I was going to say, uh, how far did it take you to realize that you did not have enough time or money? Um, well, I think I kind of knew that, but <laughs> ah, go anyway before, before I left. But I thought, well, you know, things will work themselves out. There was nowhere I wasn't going to go, and I had to go with what I had. 
And, um, you know, I was still, I was figuring a lot of things out when mm-hmm. I left. So, you know, I was trying to get to Antarctica. I had no idea how I was going to do that. Um, I, I knew I needed more money for that. I, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it into certain countries or, or which route I was going to take. But, um, you know, you just figure it out as you go. And, and it starts, everything is an issue at first. Everything's a, a barrier and a worry. And then as, the more you go, the, the less it becomes a worry because, you know, you think you're going to get robbed and then you think that people are out to get you and the less they are, the more you, you stop worrying about it. And so, um, you know, it, it was, it, it just kind of evolved, I suppose. So the, and the worries disappeared as I went, as I kept going. As I've been sort of reading your book as well, I've not finished it yet, Steph. I'm about three quarters of the way through it because I, I read the same oh. page about five times over. Don't, don't tell um, her how it ends. No, I won't, I won't. But as I was reading your book, like, I don't think that the trip was evolving as, as much as you were as well. With it. Like, you started out quite sort of apprehensive about different situations and things. And then the further in you got to this trip, and as, as you said, like, those worries sort of left you. And, and it's really sort of noticeable within, within your book that you started developing into this sort of new new person it, what like what's been like the most significant mm. thing that's changed about you as a result of this this around the world trip yeah and it's not something you realize at the time it's only with hindsight i think and, and i think I, I noticed it more as i was writing the book actually funny enough i kind of went oh wow that makes sense you know um, reflection yeah re- reflection yeah and um i, I think that the biggest thing was was being more relaxed with people, uh, bec- and that came from the positive reinforcement, you know, and not not uh, not assuming. I, I don't know. Instead of assuming that people were going to find me annoying or something or a pain or whatever, I started just assuming, going there with the with the mindset that hey, this is all going to be good, and and I could be me, and I didn't need to be defensive. I didn't need to be over polite. I so that sounds like such a simple thing, but it really did really does change your outlook. And um, and you also learn very quickly that how you react to people um, it, it can massively affect how they react to you. So if you're overly cautious, people will be cautious in return. And if you're dead open and honest and, and hey, you know, this is me, take it or leave it, people will do will reciprocate that. And um, also things like, you know, if you think you're going to get robbed, uh, I don't mean you you will get robbed, but if you're if you're paranoid about mm-hmm. someone's intentions, they're more likely to you're more likely to plant that seed. If you know what I mean, that yep. sounds maybe sounds a bit bizarre, um, but I found that uh, it, the more relaxed I was, the 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 the, the, the best nicer people were. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've got to, I've got to ask as well, and because I, I think me and Liza can kind of relate to this in in some sort of weird parallel, but. How do you deal with doing something like an around-the-world trip that you've set your sights on for essentially your entire adult life and then dealing with that, uh, in abbreviated commas, come down and what next factor? And, you know, have I just ticked that box at, at life? Am I done now? Is that everything that's on the list? Or, how, like, how do you how do you deal with, like, with that sort of, and have you, have you experienced that sort of come down feeling after getting back? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a massive processing to, to go through um, and that whole ticking of the box and, and the the, um, the come down. And, you know, I, I didn't just have it at the end of the trip, but also after Antarctica, for example, because I focused on that for so long. And then when I got back from Antarctica, I had the biggest high ever. 
it was the ultimate drug, you know, um, just yeah. sitting there on my, on my own and just quietly letting it all soak in because so much effort had gone into it. And a bit like probably you guys at the end of the rally going, wow, you know, we did it. And, and you put so much effort into achieving that, that it's an amazing high for a bit. And then I, I got back to Argentina and I sat there thinking, well, I should feel great, but I don't. And why don't I? And what's going on? And then all these questions going on your head. And it's kind of like the, the, um, the, the downer after the, after the high. And, and, um, that took me a while to process. I had to go and lock myself away in a room for a while after Antarctica just to kind of process things. And when I got home, that was even worse. It was like a bereavement to me. I'd, I'd found a way of life that I enjoyed. I'd um, I'd been focusing on a goal for so long, and it became much more than just ticking a box, of course. But I still got to the end of that that goal. I'd, I'd, I'd reached the goal, and then. It felt great for a while, and then suddenly I woke up in tears and um, quite. You found the rainbow. That, yeah, that, and that's like the feeling, isn't it? It's like you found the rainbow. Yeah. You've got the pot of gold at the end of it, and and then what? And then what? Exactly. So so that took a lot of processing, and and it did take me a long time to to kind of um, to deal with all those emotions. And what I what I tried to sort of figure out was, well, what do you want next? And is it that? And people are always saying to you as well, you know, what next? What next? What next? What are you doing next? <laughs> They're expecting yep. the, expe- the expectations. Yep. And you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And I thought, well. How yeah, about a cup of tea for, for now? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, but I was planning. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get a camel. And I'm going to walk across Sudan. You know, <laughs> I'm going to do it alone. And I'm going right. to go, you know, and I'm thinking, what's the toughest thing I can think of? And I'm like, what are you doing? You're exhausted. Your body. I mean, my body it took me a year to recover. And I'm still not recovered, to be honest. But, uh, you know, I had to give myself time. And I wasn't going to do that because everyone was expecting all these things of me. And, and plus, I was also frightened of being home too long that I might I might get roots. And then I might get oh. trapped again. And mm-hmm. and so um, I had to find another goal quickly. And actually, what I've discovered, what, you know, I've been home nearly three years, which is unbelievable, um, is somewhere in between where I've been, well, before the lockdown and all that kind of stuff, I, you know, was finding things to do that were shorter challenges, you know, going to Everest Base Camp, taking a group of women there. Um, I've done some guiding in Africa in a, in a Unimog. I've, um, I've done a, a car rally in India. So lots of these really cool things, which are short and fun and there's no travel fatigue and um you know and then i get to come home to where i love which is wales and my dog and my family and 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 all that kind of thing so so there's a real beauty in that and i've also decided to start calming down a bit in the sense of in between those times i found great pleasure and adventure within the small things in life and i think that's the trick to overcoming these big highs and and getting over that kind of thing is is just finding the the pleasure in the small things like i don't know going for a walk with your dog um discovering uh, new things within your neighborhood making a cake i can 100 percent relate to that yeah you do find yeah. the beauty in the in the really sim- simple things and in, in life like i think and i think that's something that i'm particularly focusing on myself as well at the minute well since we so we've established we're not and we're not even going to go in order where you you went around the world. It was what four years, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. But you've mentioned a few times Antarctica, so we, sh- we should talk about that. How many people have had their bike on all seven continents? Um. Well, there's a couple of people who have who have got their bike on all seven continents, but yeah. have but have not 
done it all in one go. I've not circumnavigated right. the globe. So I'm, so I'm the first person, as far as I know, to circumnavigate the globe and ride on all seven continents. Yeah, so that's a pretty big goal that you set for yourself. And yeah. <laughs> getting to Antarctica, um, which, you know, is it, something like, we, we don't even know what it what it's like there. Um, you have to go, so you, you came down through South America, right you go down to Ushuaia where you take a boat to Antarctica that right there seems like a big part of the journey how was that adventure it was fucking horrible (laughs) 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 that first bit was horrible I don't like the sea okay so my my grandfather was was a merchant navy captain like he spent his whole life on the sea um, um I, as many people in my family as well but i i hate to see it's not it's um it's not my place where i'm most comfortable and so i i was dreading it all the way because i thought originally when i had this idea i thought i'll go on a big ship you know like mm-hmm. a big cargo ship or a or a cruise ship or something and nobody would take me and eventually i started trying private um sailing boats and eventually uh, an Australian couple agreed to take me. And um, so that meant c- crossing the Drake Passage, which is one of the roughest seas in the world, on this sailing boat. And I had to become part of the crew. So I had to learn very quickly what to do in the event of, well, anything. Mm-hmm. Really. And um, <laughs> it was... Does that mean where to, you have to know where to throw up? <laughs> you have to know where to throw up. That's really, that's the first lesson. That's rule number one. <laughs> I would right? learn that quick too, Yes. And, and, you know, I, I I don't think I even had time for my seasickness tablet to, to get down before I started throwing up. That was the problem. And then everybody else started throwing up. So there's about five of the eight of us taking it in turns in these little jars. And then, you know, and then as soon as you get up to try and move to go to the loose and thing, you have to throw up again. And then you grab a jar and it's not your jar. It's somebody else's jar. No! So, <laughs> there's only one thing worse than throwing up in a jar is someone else's jar. Oh. Uh, I'm never going to Antarctica. (laughs) No, no. So so, so that was pretty horrible, but it was worth it. When we finally got there, you know, we got there, we started getting close to the peninsula in the dark. So we had to take it on turns to be on watch for icebergs and that kind of thing. And you're like, is that an iceberg or am am my eyes saying tricks with me? And, um, And then suddenly it just appears and then you have this sunshine and the glistening snow and ice and and the penguins jumping out just as you see it on david attenborough you know it's, it's just awesome jim there's video of her with her bike strapped to the front of the sailboat and she's sitting on it as the boat is going through the water and there's like icebergs and whales and she's just sitting on her bike that is so cool. I can't wait to check out the videos. I, I, I want to see like with a harpoon in your hand and you know, the whole Moby Dick thing going. Oi! I don't know. I can't have it. <laughs> the only That's shooting brilliant, I, though. The only shooting I did was with my camera, I promise. But I did butcher uh, a lamb on, on deck. So, you know, that was, <laughs> that was hopefully cool. on purpose. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Wow. And not with a motorcycle. And no. when you got there, you, you actually... As well, didn't you? What? She had a there was a little, there was a little friend that that, that Steph met on the on the ship as well. That um, I'd love to see in real life. Though would probably shit my pants if I did. But the uh, was it a marine the leopard the big, seal? One, a leopard seal, yeah. That, that popped his head yeah. up to say hello. And that that photo in your book is just unbelievable. Of his like 
evil little grin with his eyes sort of looking at you in the side like, yeah, I'm going to have you for dinner. You're, that you're was a, yeah, I'm having you. <laughs> that was absolutely bizarre because it's very rare to, to, to have a close encounter with a leopard seal. And, and um, if you do, it's, it's usually not a good idea to hang around. But we were in a in a dinghy, a small zodiac at the time, and and it and it just popped its head up, and we we're like, whoa, you know, it's huge. Its head's huge. Yeah, I've seen those things. They are their heads are huge. Yeah, and they Scary. They, they do have a tendency to be playful, if that's the right word, and and you've got to be careful because they, they like a playful German shepherd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so that was that was scary, but amazing. I mean, wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those stories that you just you'll never, you know, one of those moments you'll never forget. But but glad it's over. <laughs> so the the sailboat trip was at like six six days, five of, days, five yeah. days of rough was, water, five days across, and then we spent a couple of weeks, uh, two and a half weeks, I think, um, sailing around the peninsula. And what is Antarctica like? It's um, it's not actually. It didn't seem as cold as you might think. I spent colder times in in northern Canada, um, but then the, when the sun is shining, it's you know you've got the right equipment, you know the right clothing on and stuff. It's it's a, wonderful. It's it's really lovely, um, and very easy to get sunburned there actually as well. So you need to have your sun cream on and stuff. Um, it, it's a bit like if you're going skiing or something, you have that glistening and, and you, you really feel the warmth of the sun. Um, but it turns very quickly, so the, the conditions change in a, in a nanosecond, you know, so you go from glistening sun to ferocious storm in, in seconds. Um, so you've always got to be on guard, um, but it's it's the most beautiful place in the world, it really is. And, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the icebergs are out of this world when, when you get close up to them sometimes they have these um the, the effect of them i forget what they call it but some of them are sort of like um crushed and condensed and you get this blueness to them mm-hmm. there's a name for it and i can't remember what it is isn't but, that the um, oxygen that's trapped in there that's right yeah and it, and it's basically it, i've never seen anything like it it's, you feel like you're dreaming it, it's just wonderful so yeah. when, when you talk about cold we can totally relate because i just looked it up so right now i mean you can tell we're wearing our sweatshirts we're we're it's it's 12 degrees celsius right now here and we are yeah we're cold we understand what you liza, mean liza fuck off <laughs> 12 degrees it's all relative that is cold for us that's like that's like a a welsh heat wave absolutely bloody hell wow and you had the opportunity to ride around and uh in the snow there and then you guys even went and visited um like the scientists that are there studying stuff yeah, so we went to a Chilean Navy base to yeah. start with, and um, well, we landed in a different area. And then we got invited by a Chile- the Chilean Navy to come and join them for a, a few beers. And um, word spreads uh, fast, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it really does. Like, <laughs> especially if you've got a motorbike in Antarctica, it's amazing. And um, and then and then we got uh, invited to join the um, Ukrainian scientists on on their mm-hmm. base as well, and, and we partied quite hard there until three in the morning or whatever time it was and um yeah that was good fun <laughs> yeah so uh Haley, you had a question about that the the drinking oh right? no i do have a question about the drink now i know you like a drink as a, as a good welsh <laughs> as a good welsh girl should do so if you could compare your trip to a drink what would it be and why mm. 
Well, uh, hmm, it would have to be a long drink, of course, wouldn't it? Maybe a tequila sunrise, maybe. Mm. Um, is that the, that that is the long drink form, isn't it? The sun, tequila sunrise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, it's definitely yeah, yeah. longer so, than the tequila shots, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's um, so it's got a it's got a bite to it, but you can you know you got you take your time and yeah, definitely tequila. There's some there's some violence in there, but <laughs> but overall enjoyable and a nice effect at the end. And after a long night of them, you end up flat on the floor, going, "What happened?" <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Amid, yeah. Totally reliable. Out, <laughs> going out, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so with with those bites in mind as well, I know that you had quite a few um, sort of mishaps on the trip as well, as as you would expect. You know, everything's not going to run sort of smoothly um, throughout four years of travelling. Um, what for you was the scariest moment of, of the entire the entire trip? Good question. Oh, crikey. So so many to choose from, um, really. Uh, a lot of them were, were in my head, but the real serious dangers were... Um, uh, well, there's three that spring to mind. I'm not sure which one to choose. Let's see, was it the alligators, the elephants, the, the orangutans, the lions? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay, so I had... Um, caught up in a, a Hindu pilgrimage, uh, which doesn't sound too scary initially, but they were thousands of them and it, and it turns out that uh, people do die there sort of well have died there on different years um i rode into the middle of it completely oblivious going oh wow isn't this cool look at all these people isn't this nice and then realized i was in the middle of a scrum and uh, surrounded by thousands of people and i couldn't get out and the heat was sort of 40 degrees and i ran out of water i was feeling very very dizzy and suffering from heat exhaustion mm. and um and dehydration and people were just looking at me going what the hell are you doing here in fact people saying you shouldn't be here and i'm like no shit sherlock you know what do you what do you suggest i do um and i just couldn't get out i I nearly abandoned my bike and i actually uh took my helmet off and my clothing off and, and and i sort of knelt next to the bike at one point thinking i'm really on my own here and there's no way out and if i faint i'm gonna get trampled because um, wow. there were stampedes of people coming through and um, it, it was quite scary and eventually somebody helped me and, and we edged closer and closer to this ditch eventually and then managed to get the bike through the ditch there was a stampede through the ditch at one point so we got thrown against the wall there was a policeman I remember, just remember this policeman sort of beating people back and we might made eye contact across the crowd at one point and I was sort of like help and he's like you're on your own I've got my own problems you know so it was it was quite terrifying. Eventually, I made it to a police roadblock, uh, a, a police barricade that they were using a hotel as a base, and they were behind this barricade. And I sort of shouted at them to let me in, and and my red face and Welsh um, temper kind of helped, I think, in that sense. And um, and they eventually sort of let me in, and I stayed there until it until it all calmed down, and I had some food and water and, and stuff. But uh, I really that was probably my loneliest time. You know. Once again, I think Jim and I can relate. We were in the mosh pit at a ministry concert in 1989. <laughs> True story. Very similar, right, Jim? <laughs> it, sounds, uh, it sounds nothing. It sounds nothing similar. Did, did, you know what, Haley? Is, that is I'll a true story, too. I love it. <laughs> I don't think well, it was I the only show it. we were at. 
it was kind of a sweaty mosh pit experience only, only it lasted uh, maybe a little bit longer <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly were they throwing beer bottles too uh, no, no. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, different. Sorry, different. All right. <laughs> um, I want to know, were, were there any times that you were ready to give up and, and almost called it quits? It was, there were times when I questioned where, whether I was ready to give up, which is a little bit different. Um, I had to sort of stop and reassess many times and go, is this really worth it? What am I doing? Am I doing it just to say that I've ticked the box? Am I, does it make a difference? Does it still matter to me? Um, and, you know, did, there was a time when I, when I was in America, actually, and then and then heading up into Canada, I was in a lot of pain. I'd had a, a lot of injuries and, and um, was suffering from chronic pain at the time. And uh, I, I had I questioned every day, what, what, what was I doing? But I the answer always came back as, yes, it is still important to me. And um, I don't think I'll be able to forgive myself if i stop and and actually i pushed myself ridiculously hard too too hard um yeah well that brings us to yet another parallel between haley and you uh when you were here in the states you got to uh, experience something pretty cool that haley also got to experience and it is also on video uh there's video of you shooting a rather large gun Oh, yeah. <laughs> Our reaction is exactly the same, Steph. Yeah. This is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's like, now I get it. Yeah, give me a bigger gun. <laughs> oh, it was, it was a great day. We got to shoot Tan and I up and everything. It was brilliant. Yeah, that's something we like to let foreigners do here. Hey, you want to shoot a big gun? <laughs> Blow some shit up. You know, I, uh, my first experience of shooting guns was with the local pastor in Lake in Lakeport or Lake Town. I forget the name of it. And um, he he was like, he, he, you know, he's like, come on, let's jump in the four by four and go and shoot some guns. I'm like, wow. I mean, like, there's nothing more American than that, is there? <laughs> America. Okay. Yeah. America. <laughs> he was he was so cool. He was such a cool pastor. I've never, we don't get pastors like that in this country. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get to some of the highlights. Um, I know in your videos, there's a lot of animals you got to experience. Can you rattle off some of the cool animals that you got to get close to around the world? Mm, yeah. Uh, well, in Africa, there was loads. There was cheetahs and uh, rhinos and elephants and giraffes and uh yeah whales uh, yeah all sorts yeah and then there's uh was it south america the orangutan oh yeah no that yeah um no that was in asia in borneo, asia. borneo yeah that was that was a dream come true for me yeah childhood dream come true amazing experience yeah so many cool but- stuff what were some of the highlights? We're just going to make some generalizations now, knowing that like no country is exact, you know, is necessarily better than the other. But I want to know, like, uh, what country would you say were the nicest, friendliest people you encountered? Oh, crikey. Um, oh, I'd have to say, oh, no, I can't. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll just uh, pick one. Just pick one. All of them. There you go. <laughs> Diplomatic answer. <laughs> All right. Which which country would you say had the the most drinkers? Like that you you could always find a drinking buddy. That was 
Australia, definitely. Australia, there's a good one. Stereotypes, you see, there's, a, there's something in all of them. <laughs> all right, which country would you say had the best roads? The best roads. Do you know what? I'm going to say Ethiopia, which is such a weird Ooh. one. People go, what? But um, having come from, um, you know, a, a lot of African roads are very bumpy and, and messy and all that kind of thing. And then you get to Ethiopia and you've got this, well, the Chinese have been there and, and have built, mm. built sort of nice black stuff all the way through. But um, the 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 riding experience was stunning there. There are some countries in Africa I wished I was in a 4 by 4 because it was just so hot and tiring or whatever, but... But Ethiopia, it was definitely biking heaven. So. All right, and which countries had the shit road? Like the one, like that was not fun. Um, oh crikey, um, not fun. Well, the most boring road I did was in South South America in Argentina, Ruta Ruta Four, is it? So I'm going down towards Ushuaia. That was the most boring road ever, I think. Yeah. Nice, Haley. What you got? Uh, well, on, on like leading on from some of them as well. Like, did you get sick of riding at any point? Like, you just literally no. just like when you, when you got back home. Like, because hear me out, Liza. When we did that trip across the states, that was yeah. that was intense. Yeah. And afterwards, I was like, I got home, I unpacked my stuff, and I was like, do you know what? I'm fucking done for a week and i couldn't even look at my bike for a week i was just like you can fucking stay in the garage keep quiet and wait till i'm ready to come to you and i just left her for like an entire week which is quite unheard of you hear that stuff i broke her (laughs) i broke her really did yeah we 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 had long hard days yes yeah it didn't say in, in reality it didn't take long but yeah did you get sick of riding the bike at any point you're on it day in day out yeah, I did. I did have moments. I mean, uh, there were times when it was bloody cold. Like Patagonia always rings a bell. Always sort of, um, sort of reminds me of the, when it's freezing cold temperatures. And I used to like starting early. I like to start my rides early. And every morning I'd be like, "Why the hell have I done this again? Why am I wait till day? It's freezing out here." Mm-hmm. And, and the wind, you know, um, yeah. battling the wind was the, was probably the the worst bit for me because you're constantly like, Argh! and it's so intense, you know. Um, so days like that, I just, I couldn't be bothered. And some days going through ca- uh, Canadian prairies was like that as well. It's just like, come on, you know, give me a break. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then when I got home, I, I, you know, I kept going to places on, if people say, oh, bring Rhonda. So I'd stick her on a trailer or in the back of the van and take her. People are like, why have you, oh, I can't believe you've not ridden her. I'm like, why would I want to ride her? It's cold, or you know, <laughs> yeah. choice now. You, you know, you paid your dues. Yeah. yeah, it took me a while to start enjoying it again. I must admit, but but um, I, and now of course I do. Yeah. You know, something I'm curious about, and you alluded to it earlier, and, and again, I think the three of us can totally relate, or four of us, whatever, is making friends along the way mm-hmm. and the great experiences you had. And I thought it was brilliant how you said you had a, you changed your mindset and almost pre-paved all these cool experiences to happen. And I think Liza and I have had plenty of experiences on our own where we're open-minded, friendly, and curious, and it really pays off dividends. And I don't know if it plays into Liza's question, but you know, maybe, and I'm sure it's in the book, look forward to seeing it characters that you met along the way or maybe countries with these character type people that you always end up running into maybe share a couple of those stories 
Yeah, oh, you know, I met so many interesting people. And one thing you that you learn is to shut up sometimes and listen. And, um, you know, then you find that everyone's got a great... Most people have got a great story somewhere, you know. And there is... There's, there's this depth to everybody. And, um, and, and you do have to kind of be very open-minded when you hear certain people's stories. So, for example, in El Salvador, uh, a country that a lot of people are very nervous of going through and often just race from border to border to get through it quickly um, because it's one of the, the highest rate murder rate countries in the world. But, you know, um, people aren't just going around shooting, randomly shooting, you know, the, the, um, unless you're going to start getting involved in gangs and drugs and, and that kind of thing. You're probably going to be OK. Um, and so actually that had a really that was really bad for potholes. That was the worst. Ah, there we go. The condition. There you go. Um, but I can remember going into a, a, a bar there with a, a local biker, young guy who'd offered me a place to stay. Now, he'd been involved. Uh, he hadn't been involved with gangs, but um, there was a connection with gangs with everybody I met. So they'd been affected in one way by gangs there. And so there was a sort of an undercurrent there of, of violence. You know, a lot of people you speak to, they, they'd lost their job because the gangs had forced them out and, they, you know, all these different kind of things. <clears throat> and so there was this undercurrent. And I ended up going to the bar with him one night and talking to these random guys who it turned out spoke very good English. And they'd been listening to our conversation and desperate to join in. And we had a guy stood there, the usual AK-47 guarding us, you know. And... Um, we ended up chatting to these guys and, and we got had a few drinks and um, the, the jukebox goes on, jukebox goes on and uh, they, they put on thing, you know, with, with the old 80s rock music and stuff like, yeah, dancing away and chatting away. And they're like, oh, this is brilliant. Have another beer, Steph. And then they start talking about gays and it was quite an anti-gay conversation. And I'm going, hang on a minute. What, what you know, what's wrong with you guys? And, and of course, I had to be very open-minded and say well okay well they've had an upbringing of this is wrong their, their country their government tells them this is wrong it's it's highly illegal so i had to keep that in mind but then they put on queen <laughs> and, they, and they're all suddenly going yeah <laughs> queen and i go and i'm like i'm not letting this one pass i'm like hang on a minute Hang on a minute you know so you love freddie mercury but he's got a big tash he wears spandex and he's called Queen. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you love him and you tell tell me gay is wrong. And they're like, um, oh, yeah, whatever. Anyway, so later on they say, so what do the Welsh think of the Salvadorians, Steph? And I went, well, they think you're all gay. <laughs> and I did, said it deadpan. And uh, the whole bar went silent. It was like, <laughs> and it's sort of slow motion, you know, and I'm like, uh-oh, I've gone too far here. And then suddenly there was this, yeah, you're all right, Steph. I'm like, oh, thank God. Whew. So, <laughs> wow. so, yeah, lots of moments like that. But the weird thing is that the more people you meet, the more you realize how much you've got in common. Like, I, I, I met so many people and had instant connections with people who had, like, you couldn't have had a different upbringing or a different lifestyle or a different experiences to me and yet for some reason it's like we've known each other since childhood um you know, i think the humor was the same i didn't have to explain you could take the piss out of people you take the mick out of people without having to explain yourself or feeling nervous about it which is always a good sign to me and um yeah it's amazing yeah yeah i, I think one of the, the universal truths and i think motorcycling it just works even better most people are nice you know and most people are are happy to help you if you need some help and i think if you have the right attitude heading into it it's i think it's, it's super fun so yeah 
And fortune favors and, the bold, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and I think a lot of people ask me, what, you know, whether, whether it's sort of um, whether it was different for me as a woman, or, or whether I, I think people treated me differently as a woman. And my go-to answer is usually, you know, I've never done it as a guy, so I, so I, I don't know. I can't be sure on that if people would have treated me differently. But I do, I do know is that I, you know I, I certainly think that a lot of it is down to attitude rather than sex and how you approach people and how you are with people and um i think being humble and happy uh I, I, you know and that that you'll get you a long way you know so i have a two part question so the first part is what country have you visited that you would like to visit again and the second part is what country have you not visited that you would like to visit <sighs> Okay, um, I'd love to go back to Iran, and I think this is a, oh. a, a common thing for a lot of people who have been to Iran, is that they, you know, it's such a friendly place. And I, I think it's one of those, perhaps one of those things where, like wearing a tight pair of shoes, that when you take them off, you have that relief, and it almost feels better than before. So, so what I mean is, going into the country, I was nervous, didn't really know what to expect. Everyone was looking at me like I was crazy for going in there. Um, and once you get in uh, again i was quite nervous and i was getting some strange looks and people testing at me and turns out my my uh, my top was too short and, I, and so my first thing was like oh no this is awful you know mm-hmm. i feel like an alien i don't know how to behave um but then i started relaxing into it and um the more people i met the more i realized that that um you know the the the, the Iranians and the Persians, they're just such lovely, warm people. Um, and their culture is to to look after and to protect yeah. and to make sure you're okay. And I would get people trying to give me water as I was doing 60 miles an hour down the road. I, You know, and <laughs> trying to sort of grab it through the window. Um, I had people taking me home and I learned very quickly to trust them, um, which is a real quality you know it's, it's a great thing to have to be able to, to trust and some people might call it naive but uh, it's, it's far from that I think and the, um, you know I, I, I <laughs> stories that my parents are only glad they heard afterwards you know like following people, random people home and, and then feeding me and, and got one guy and it's in the, this is in the book this guy took me home with his family he, he, he saw me lost on the side of the road and shouted Nescafe at me <laughs> Nescafe I was like <laughs> Okay. <laughs> of course, you were there. <laughs> the international language. And this is the beauty of traveling as well, as in without a time limit, is that um, you can take these opportunities. And, and I just followed his car back with him and his wife and his three-year-old daughter. They drove into a garage, pointed me to drive into the garage, shut the door behind me, and I'm thinking, okay. Okay. Um, and, I, and I followed them into the house, which is down some steps, and it was all quite ramshackle outside. It looked derelict, in fact, and... Um, but inside was very tidy and clean, and he disappeared. And I'm left with this non-English speaking uh, wife and daughter, and I don't speak, uh, sadly, um, you know, Persian. any other language apart yeah. from Welsh and English. And so um, I got some pictures out, and I was showing the pictures and stuff. And when he came back, I thought, where is he? When he came back, he'd come back with a burger and a can of Coke. Because he'd seen this, you know, this Western woman. <laughs> the burger. And I, and I just, I loved that so much. Cause, you know, and it was great. The burger right. was great. But, uh, you know, he knew it before I did. But um, I just loved the fact that he wanted to do whatever he could to make me feel at home and comfortable. And they offered me a place to sleep. And 
um, you know, it was it was just such a lovely experience. And that happened time and time and time again yeah. in, in Iran more than anywhere, actually. So, it's it's yeah, great to hear that. And what country would you like to visit that you haven't? I've got a couple of places on my mm-hmm. hit list at the moment, and um, Greenland is one of them. Ooh. I guess it's such an interesting place. And, and also, my granddad spent a lot of time there pioneering new routes with his, with his ship um, many, many years ago, of course, and don't really know all the details, but I, he spoke about it a lot. And so I'd love to go there for, for that reason, if, if nothing else. Um, and... Uh, Cuba is is one again, mm. just just somewhere that that intrigues me. Uh, I mean, there's loads of places I want to go to, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> yeah. nice, Jim. Did you have a question? You had your hand up, or no? That was Haley. You had your hand up. Oh, Haley, ask. Uh, you're muted. Ask that question that we talked about beforehand. Yeah, well, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask. Don't, okay. don't worry about it. I'm, I'm not asking you to come to bed with us or anything. So don't worry about it. <laughs> you like vous coucher avec moi? <laughs> um, no, the like the the questions actually. First of all, to to Liza and Jim, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask Steph a question, and I want you guys to predict the answer. Okay. Do we okay. win something? No. So so Steph Steph, my question to you then is would you do it again? Oh, so we gotta guess her answer. Mm-hmm. So don't answer mm. just yet. Liza right. and Jim, hit me up with your answers. I'm gonna say around the world, no, but individual countries, yes. Uh, I think uh, I think having been through something like that, it really takes a piss out of you. I think it, yeah. it, it really does. And it's something like you could say, like, but I did it. I don't have to do that again. That's my guess. What do you think, Jim? I think Steph still has some adventure in her. She does go big. She goes big. I, I don't know. Big. She's a wild uh-huh. card. And uh, with style, too. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think it'll be something like as linear as around the world or whatever that might be. But I could see you connecting the dots on a trip for another purpose, maybe something more personal or something like that, where you may end up doing some touring, maybe not around the world, but uh, some sort of an adventure where you're connecting dots to something. Wait, can, can I give one more answer? No. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to draw another parallel to the Women Writers World Relay in that what we discovered is Upon succeeding, everything we learned, we learned there were so many things that should have gone wrong that we shouldn't have succeeded. And to go do it again, it's like, oh, now I know all the things I didn't know before, and there's so many more things to worry about. Is that come into play? But at the same time, you've learned so much, it's yeah. almost a shame to waste that knowledge. Yeah. And so you've got that kind of thing. and. You think, well, if I'd have known what I knew, what I know now when I started, would I have done it yeah. again? And and that's the thing. And and uh, would would I have ever tried in the first place? And and you know, things are always tougher than you think they're going to be. And um, but in, in I don't think I would do it again. I don't feel the need. I mean, you have mm-hmm. to have a lot of drive to do something like that in the first place. The drive and the hunger isn't there anymore because I've done it. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the hunger for adventure and, and the drive to do other things, yes, absolutely. As soon as something sparks my my imagination, I'm I'm on it or I'm all over it. And um and I, I love that feeling. I love planning things. I, I love the buzz of the unknown and oh what's gonna happen and that anticipation and 
you know, it's like Christmas all the time. I build up to Christmas and then, you know, it's like, oh, well, not really Christmas. I mean, that was a bad analogy, but, but <laughs> I don't really like Christmas. But, <laughs> but, the, but that, whole, that whole planning is, is such a cool thing and I, and I love it. But it is that exact, that exact same thing again. I wouldn't, I don't think I, I have the, um, the drive to do that again. No. All right. But you brought up, with all the things you've learned, and I think that you have a lot of great advice to share. So I want to ask you about setting up your bike for travel. You learned a lot of lessons along the way, and I was wondering if you can share some of those tips with everyone, because it doesn't necessarily mean you're heading around the world. But if you're going off on a, yeah. a, a long, you know, a long day's adventure, these tips can make a difference in making that ride better. So what did you learn? Well, for bike setup, the biggest thing I would say and learn from my mistakes here um, is some um, the devil's in the detail. And, uh, you know, no matter what bike you're riding, um, try and reduce the vibration as much as you possibly can, because I, I suffered quite badly from um, overexposure to to, um, to vibrations, really, mm-hmm. um, to uh, prolonged, ex- um, you know, exposure to, to vibration. Not that this bike is particularly... Um, is particularly uh, vibrate uh, you know, any more than any other bike. But um, it over a period of time, those, those that detail is coming through the bottom of your feet. It's coming through your hands, and it will affect your joints, your, you know, mm-hmm. your spine, your nervous system. And um, that is one thing I would always look at is is try and put dampeners where you can. Um, also, the seat is very yes. important. Yes, we off. know all about this, it, right, Jim? Yeah, so we've just seen Jim's bike there. Now, that looks really cool. So the, you know, the, the, the stock seat, I were actually left with the stock seat. I was like, I can handle it. People say, what are you doing? And I don't even see it, didn't even see it as a problem initially mm-hmm. because I was so busy, o- preoccupied with other things, looking at new things, da, 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 and I, I didn't even think about my bum, you know. But over time, there wasn't enough support on my hips. And, you know, you got a narrow yeah. seat, my hips weren't being supported, and so you know that that caused me some some problems later on as well o- over a long period of time. Um, so get the seat that fits, that supports you, and and the, you know that is the biggest thing I can say. The rest, you know, you you can make it up as you go along. Really, did you get saddle rash as bad as I did in the states? Because Eliza had to check my ass. <laughs> my saddle rash was so bad okay your saddle rash had nothing to do with the seat you were riding a giant indian cruiser the seat was twice as wide as your ass it's just you have a bony ass haley I had nobody to check my ass, so, you know, well, not that often. Might as well do it um, if you need it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm certified. Yes. Yeah, right now, <laughs> just throw it right up there. Press the hammer anyway. <laughs> no, uh, we, we agree. Um, seats are one of the first things we do. It's very important to be comfortable on the bike, because when we ride, we like to ride long and hard. And yeah. So, yeah, things like vibrations, um, there's a lot of ways to handle that. So how did you handle the vibrations in the bars? Well, again, I didn't sort of even think about it until later, until there was already Mm -hmm. damage um, and and things started hurting. I ended up with a frozen shoulder, with damage to my spine and my neck and and carpal tunnel and all sorts of stuff. But, you know, and um, 
so by then the horse had already bolted, but uh, then I put better, thicker grips on. Of course, my grips had actually worn down completely. I hadn't even noticed. So, um, you know, you can you can have damp um, bars with dampeners in them now, like anti-vibration bars, mm-hmm. which I haven't personally tried, but I believe they're very good. Um, if I was to do something like this again, I would definitely go for something like that. I would go for thicker grips um, and... Uh, and bar weights as well. Right. You know, that that can make a difference, which I which yeah. I did add later on. But again, like I said, the horse had already bolted, so yeah. Yeah, those are good tips. I actually experienced that, Haley, on our ride uh, on the Indian. It had tiny little apes. They were like six inch high bars, and so my my arm was up here, and halfway you know through the trip, my shoulder was just in pain. And then yeah. uh, they switched out our bikes halfway through. And st- we need a new tire, so they just gave us new bikes. Thank you, Indian Motorcycles. They- oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, at the at the Indian factory, they just gave us new bikes. And the next oh, cool. bike, the bars were six inches lower, and suddenly all my pain was gone because my shoulder had frozen into that position. So yeah. being able to drop my arm down lower and to relax made a huge difference too. Yeah. So yeah, I know how important that is. Well, I want to know now, cause uh, you said that your body was quite beat up. Did you have any big crashes? Do you have a good crash story? Um, well, big crashes. No, I think the worst crash I had was, well, I got blown off my bike in, in uh, Patagonia. I mentioned the wind <laughs> in Patagonia earlier. I literally got blown off my bike. So I I got I, I got told not to leave the, the town that I was in at the time. They said, Oh, it's it's really bad. Like look at the wind guru says red, do not leave and I was just like, I'm an adventure rider. <laughs> hey I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm good, you know, I'm fine with this and, and I left stupidly. Um because if I listened to all the advice people gave me along the way, I would never have left in the first place. So right. I, I kind of thought I knew better and didn't listen to advice and, and left and as soon as I got sort of from, there was a cliff face here. And as soon as I got around the cliff face, um, I got, the wind took me. And I also had like a, 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 like a rack on the front of the bike. So a screen with a rack on it. Mm -hmm. And on this rack, I had my tent, which kind of acted like a sail. It kind of, you know, and it took the front end and and I just went and slid down the road in front and, and stopped just in front of a truck, which thankfully stopped as well. Um, but I also then got hit by a truck. Well, oh. the bike got hit by a truck in Colombia. So um, I was racing through the traffic and you have to go with the flow, as mm-hmm. I'm sure you know. So you can't ride like you would ride in, you know, in UK or in America, yeah. or whatever. You have to ride like the locals ride. And you generally it's fairly aggressive. And I generally mm-hmm. love that kind of riding. That's my thing. I love it. And this occasion, I wasn't giving it enough kind of almost, you know I was just kind of going oh which I was being a bit too hesitant I was trying to find the airport and I was sorting out shipping for my bike and uh, part way through I was like oh which way do I go uh, and then I hesitated and uh, a truck came up behind me and tapped me and I went sort of flying off and, and sli- again sliding down the road amazingly didn't get hit by anything else but I did damage my I smacked my head damaged my shoulder hurt my hip um but not too much damage to the bike. That's when my shoulder problems actually started uh, as well. So, um, so yeah, but thankfully nothing, no serious injuries, you know. It was, uh, I guess, good luck rather than 
any kind of skill. <laughs> so here's something that we hate doing, and I'm guessing you got pretty good at. How many times did you have to change the tires? And were there any like side of the road tube and tire repairs? Yeah, so I, I only had four punctures in the whole trip oh. of four years, um, and I can wow. tell you exactly where I can tell you exactly where each of them was. But um, the, the the thing I hate about punctures is the back one. Right, I don't mind the changing the front. The back yeah. one is such a pain in the ass. <laughs> who, who, why have we not invented an easier way to, to yes. change a back tire? You know, we have two hands. And for some reason, we need six to change the back tire. We've got a, we've got the spacers, we've got the chain, you know, we've got to lift it up and hold the weights. We've got to put the, the you know, the the, the, the bolt through. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I hate changing back tires, but I, I don't mind the rest. Um, I don't know how many tires I went through. Probably, probably something like I probably got about ten thousand miles roughly out of each set. So that's um, maybe seven sets of tires. That's or something pretty good. Like that. so, Jim, you don't get that much out of your tires. You're changing them every like six months. <laughs> yeah, that is true. But, you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to ride around the globe. I know. So how about um, any other like problems, issues with the bike? Or was it pretty solid? Did, did Rhonda the Honda prove herself to be? Bulletproof. Yeah, she did me proud. Absolutely, she um, she kept going all the way. Uh, I, I did snap the subframe t- uh, on where was it in the Himalayas? Um, sorry, no, I I snapped it in. I just gone through the Himalayas and, and and a lot of the sort of broken corrugated roads and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I had a heavy top box on, um, and and so it was inevitable it was going to break. Really, I think before I left. People suggested I strengthen the subframe. I thought, hey, I'll just see what happens, you know, and it's kind of a good test for it, you know, and see what happens. And it did pretty well. But as soon as we got to, as soon as we got to Sumatra, um, I, I sort of stopped one day and I looked at the bike and the back end was sort of drooping. And I only noticed because my um, indicators, had, indicators had fried. Mm. literally just melted away and i thought oh i've got an electrical problem oh, right and then i realized they dropped in front of the exhaust um so it was a quick cheap easy job you know <sighs> side of the road in asia of course places like sumatra and india you've got welders everywhere for you know a couple of dollars and you, you you're repaired sorted so um um so that's what i did and then i didn't have any mechanical problems until i got to Tunisia, no, no, uh, yeah, uh, Dar es Salaam, uh, uh, Tanzania, sorry, not Tunisia. Tanzania. Um, and um, the, the starter relay went, that's it, uh, which again was, was a quick fix. Um, otherwise, no problems at all. Just amazing little bike. So we already established you wouldn't do the trip again, but if you were planning this trip, knowing what you know now, would you still choose that what bike? bike? Yes. Yeah, Ooh. well, I mean, I have asked myself this question before, and to yeah. be honest, I was very, very happy with the bike. I would definitely choose it again if it wasn't for one factor, and that is that I don't like to do things twice. So, uh, you know, the same again. I like to mix it up, so I would choose one a different, something different just for the sake of okay. mixing it up a bit. But that was definitely the right choice for me. All right. Yeah. What bike would you choose the second time around? I knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. And that I haven't quite decided. I mean, um, of course, the Himalayan would make sense because, what? Uh, you know, uh, uh, well, in the sense that it's a great off-road bike, it's cheap, it's easy to fix, but then it does, 
it's probably more likely to break more than yeah, the Honda. Yeah, I think so. Um, and it doesn't quite have, I don't know, there's something missing in the in the Himalayan for me, although it, it's a great bike for the value. Mm-hmm. It's a good value for yes. any bike. Absolutely great bike. Um, but what would I choose? I don't know. Again, it would have to be something light and dual sport. Um, so uh, probably, a, you know, a, a DR650 or something <laughs> like that. It would be something very similar to, to what I've already done it on. So, But a bit more oomph would be nice. Yeah. I'd like to make a recommendation because I think it suits your personality. Uh, as, oh. as much as we love the DRs, I don't, just don't think that really you know, speaks to who you are. I would suggest either the Ducati or maybe the Triumph Scrambler. I think either one oh. of those two bikes would be a hoot for you to rip around on. I do, I do love the Scramblers, actually. Yeah, I do love the Scramblers. They are, they're good-looking bikes. Um, their off-road capability, I'm not so sure about, but... Um, Although you know, if you when you come to sand and that kind of thing, but actually when you're going around the world, it's not like you know. I think people imagine that you're off road most of the time, and it's probably mm-hmm. only twenty percent of the time. So you could manage, right? Yeah, um, and you've and you've already done the the sand, so skip that part. I could <laughs> skip, the skip sand. it next time. I'd be, I'd be happy. I'd be happy. To We're all happy to skip just, the sand, just, just for you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? We haven't even covered. How many bikes do you own right now? Oh, well, right now I own quite a few. So I've got some. Yeah, let's hear it. I've got a, I've got a, (laughs) I've got a Triumph Street Triple. Ah, nice. Okay. Which I love. It's the old type with the (laughs) cute headlights. The bug eyes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, great bikes. And um, I have two CRS 250L. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have one for riding. Actually, no, I have three Sarah 250Ls. One is Rhonda, who, who mm-hmm. I still own, but she's in a museum right now. She's loaned to a museum. And then I have two working 250Ls. One is for me to ride for trail riding, and, and I take people trail riding in Wales, mm-hmm. so I've got one for hire as well, which what, I've just bought. What'd you name them? Um, well, one's called Dumpling, <laughs> uh, because cause it gets me in a stew. and. A <laughs> There is another story, but it's <laughs> okay. mildly illegal activity, so I'm not going to talk. <laughs> and the other one hasn't got a name yet. She just arrived right. a, a few days ago. So, and then I also have a KTM um, EXE two two fifty, which oh, um, which nice. is actually up for sale at the moment. As well, what? So. What? Why? Oh, I'll take it. Oh uh, well, uh, it's not a plated yeah, bike. It's just great, dirt only. Bike, but it's it's not. Um, you know, there are problems with the KTM's in the sense that you know they they overcook and they mm. they generally cost you a fortune. You have to be a mechanic to own one, and they are great to ride. Don't get me wrong, but I've got two. You know. I'll second that. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's, that's why I'll I got Honda dirt bikes. I've got yeah. two. <laughs> that's why I got Hondas. Yeah, and and which bike are you taking on the track? Uh, the the uh, the street triple. Nice, perfect. Yeah. The only problem with that is it's great up for the street triple, and it's a forgiving bike too, right? So if you like me, you're new to the track, it's a very forgiving bike. But it does that, you know. You, you're leaning, and it was always you're always scraping the pegs. I found now, so um, I need to raise the pegs if I'm going to do any more with it. And, um, and but what? I'm de- trying to decide that next what to do next season, whether to kind of go carry on with the street triple or go yeah. for a track bike. You know, buy See, a cheap track bike. That was my next question. What is your next yeah. bike going to be? Yeah, that's a good question. I do well. Um, no, aside from the from the track bike, I would like um, 
I don't know. They're so popular, it kind of puts me off. But then I've got a load of 250Ls, which are also popular. But the the Tiger, I like the Tigers. Um, because which one? They're, well, the, the newer ones are, are nice. They've got a good look to them. The mm-hmm. um, the 800, is it the uh-huh. 800? Yeah. yeah. Um, they've got a great position for me. You know, I'm a, I am a bit broken these days, and I, I like to be kind of fairly upright, but I also want to keep that sporty feeling and and that the tigers seem to do it do it quite well um and have got you know dual sport capability keep in mind the 1200 and i I absolutely second that it's a really um adaptable bike um yeah i'm five six as well so typically you know with the bikes and things they're they're quite tall with these big adventure bikes and things and like the seat lowers fantastically on it uh, it's got that triple engine, which is sweet as a nut. Yeah, um, the triple it's engine, fun. Yeah, yeah it's, this is it. And, and I really I really like a character in a bike. Like, I don't like it to just do what it's meant to do. I really, yeah. like, look for that sort of character in it and, and for it to be a bit naughty and a bit snappy and all the rest of it. And this Absolutely. kind of ticks that box. Um, and I've yeah. not really experienced another sort of adventure bike that does that for me, really. So I'd, I'd, I'd definitely recommend taking taking some of them out if you haven't if you haven't tried them before. Because, yeah, I've really fallen in love with this one. Well, let me just oh, well, throw let me just throw into the hat Rhonda's <laughs> big brother, because Jim and I are also Africa twin riders. Ah, okay. Well, I do like the Africa Twins as yeah. well, and I have ridden one of those uh, when when they first came out. I rode one, and I was really surprised at how nice they were to ride. Actually, the balance and you know, big, heavy, tall bikes, yeah. but they're, they're just so well balanced. But they're coming they're, out they're with a, a smaller one. I did hear that. Is that yeah. a rumor? Is that true? No, it's is true. That actually happening? Yeah, it's happening. It, it's happening. Well, that that would be that would be good to know. It is happening. Well. Um, we've had you on for a while, so I want to just make sure we get to some of the uh, important things, like what you are doing now. So right now you've got this book, Home by Seven, that that Haley is loving, right? It's brilliant. It really is brilliant. And uh, I think it really like shows your character through the whole thing as well, which is great. Uh, You're a very real and down-to-earth person and funny, dry sense of humor. So it's it's a really interesting <laughs> read. It is. Thank you. That's really nice to hear. Thank you. Yeah, I think the last book I read was actually Elspeth Beard's book. So I'm yep. hoping that this Great one book. is is just as good. Where can people find the book? Well, um, they can find it on my website, stephjevons.com, or also on Amazon now as well. So, put, and it's available on Kindle or paperback. So. I'll, I'll put the link to uh, your your website. What else do you have going on now? Because you mentioned that you uh, you still have the dirt biking school? Still giving yeah, lessons? it's not a dirt biking school as such. It's a, I just, um, uh, well, it's... It, it, that was before I went away. Mm-hmm. That, that sort of finished then. But now I just take people trail riding, um, which is it is nice. I, I, I I've already just got the one bike now, which is which I'm starting to build up a fleet, which I said I wasn't going to do. But I like the fact that I can just sort of take people who have got the 250Ls and show them parts of Wales that they've never mm-hmm. experienced before, and show them how beautiful the countryside is. It's not really about ragging around so much, but we just kind of potter and play in the mud and and enjoy the countryside and and have a giggle and there's always mud there's always mud (laughs) there's always mud and i and you know and that's what we're always trying to do is make it as as little intimidation as possible so people can anybody can do this whether you're 90 years old 
or new to bikes or whatever. So, Jim, yeah, I love doing that. Put her on your your itinerary for your next trip over to Scotland. I think you should stop in at Wales and go riding with her. How cool would that be? I've, I've seen the pictures of riding in Wales, and it looks like it looks magical. Yeah, I'm in. I'll do it. Ah, Silverstone. We we'll, 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 we'll do it with Silverstone whenever they let Americans back in again. Excellent. Look forward <laughs> yeah, to that Yeah, we're, one, we're banned from Cheers. everywhere. Cheers. Yes, what you got, Haley? This, this was something that I was going to ask you about, actually, because weirdly, the first time I ever went on a uh, an off-road bike was at the Mick Excellence Experience Day with, with my best friend, Danielle. Ah. Um, and then when I was reading the book with you and, and learned that you, you were running things with Mick and things as well, I was like, all right, this is cool. So this was something that I was going to ask you as well. Like, do you do sort of, you know, lessons and things like I'm looking to brush up on my off-road skills continually, uh, you know, as much as everybody. Haley, um, you only know how to ride in shale. You need to learn how to ride in mud. I think it's a good suggestion. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, we do. We, we basically generally work with novice groups. So, uh-huh. uh, like, like I said, it's it's kind of we have we have mixed groups, but we we cater for all levels. But but um, we have a lot of people who are just starting out or whatever, like I said, and just just want to come and have some fun. And so we offer as much or as little tips as you want along the way. I'm really I still still don't consider myself to be an expert. I I'm good at I can talk the talk, but I, I'm still falling off the back like I was in 2008, you know. But but I that's uh, all part of it, though, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I think <laughs> Just follow it, him. it's more about I think it's more about moral support and getting each other through. And and um and I I work with some great guys, a guy a, a gen, uh, mostly a guy called Tony, who is I call him the trail riding legend because he's just he's such a funny guy. He's he's a typical South Walian. Um, he giggles all the time and, and he's got some great advice and he's very calming in the, in the event of, you know, any serious mud or whatever. <laughs> and, and we do, we point and laugh at each other. We, you know, we, we cover it, cover each other in mud. It's great fun. <laughs> and where can you find sort of more information about how to get um, involved with that from, from the UK and Wales side of things, if people are sort of that, that. That's also on, on the website, mm-hmm. com. So there's, there's a lot of events oh, yeah. on there. And if, 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 you know, if people don't see what they're looking for, just give me a shout because we're, we're always changing and adapting things. So, yeah. So, and I'm going to offer up a suggestion for an adventure next year. In September, if you are interested. Yeah, did you did you interesting. Did you get to travel much in Pakistan? Or did you no, go, you went I, around? I, I didn't. All right. I, I went around be- because um, I was planning on going through Pakistan, but mm-hmm. somebody got shot just a few days before ahead of me, and there was a big international event, yeah. uh, big big news, and so I, I went around. So I I would still love to go there. Well, if you were interested, just like you did the uh, the women's trip in India, right, or Nepal? Yeah, yeah. I do women's trips in Pakistan, and I'm doing another one in September. If you're interested, ah, and actually, this will be cool. And actually, Elspeth Beard yeah. was on my last trip too, because it was ah, the same kind of thing. I'm like, I know you went around the world, but you really didn't get to experience Pakistan. Let me take you there and show you what you missed. So yeah, yeah. I, I know. I so it's on my hit list, so I would absolutely love uh-huh. to, to join you. Yeah, it's great. Even better to do it with uh, with a group of crazy women. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll um I'll give you more info on that. Um. We go up to northern Pakistan, and everything you described about the people in in uh, Iran is just like that yeah. in Pakistan. You find out that um, everyone is there; to, they want to help take care of you. It's their culture. You are the, a guest of the yeah. country, 
And it's so the people there are so beautiful, but also the roads. It's it's great. And when we, I hear I hear that all the time, and also the scenery. I believe the mountains and stuff. Oh are yeah, absolutely stunning. So yeah, yeah. You've see, you've been on both sides of it, so you kind of mm. know what it's like. But uh, Pakistan is a true treat, and that's why I do these uh, these tours there just to share that with. Everyone. I think I think really the only dodgy bit is the is the bit between Iran and coming mm-hmm. in to coming across the border, and that that was where there was a big trouble when I was there yeah. at the time. Um, but uh, I don't even know what it's like now. That could have changed now again. But um, but yeah, I hear nothing but lovely stories about Pakistan. So yeah, I'm in. Count me in. Yeah, I'll let you know more about it. Do yeah. Saying about the um, you know the sort of preconceptions that people put in your heads when you're coming across borders and things like you shouldn't go there, you shouldn't do that. Liza, this is exactly what we experienced mm-hmm. when we were going across the border in Mexico, wasn't it? Like people were like yeah, re- point blank refusing to come over and. Um, really like trying to instill fear in what we were doing and we were like fuck it we're going and we had a A way all of a time and not just that we found that there wasn't anything to fear because uh the women in mexico brought a a biker club with them to take care of us and Mm. there were no laws that, that like we were owning the road you know everywhere we went like we were being looked out for. We were guests of their country. We were treated so well. And it was such an amazing experience. And there's so many countries like that. And that's one of the things, like, I like to have people like you on to share with people, to think outside the box, to go travel, to go experience, and make your own, uh, you know, opinions and conclusions about these countries and cultures. Um, but not just that. Being a biker, you, f- you oh. find other bikers who will take you in and want to show you and help you. And, and that is an amazing community that stretches worldwide. It's, it's a network. It's a big mm-hmm. net spreading all the way around the world. And it's amazing. Not, not even just fellow bikers, but with a motorbike, people yeah. are interested. And for some reason it draws people in and it's a great tool for, for meeting people and, and being looked after bizarrely is just, uh, it's great. And, and you know what you were saying about different countries, like Mexico is a prime example, such a wonderful country, wonderful people, uh, and beautiful roads and, and um, scenery and food. And yet we're constantly told it's a dangerous place to be. So, but, yeah. and this circles back to earlier in the conversation when you said, but you have to be open to it because if you, I think if you go on a trip and you try and have, plan everything and control everything and you're going to get there and you're you're going to see that you maybe aren't prepared or things aren't going to go that way and you need to let it go and accept the opportunities that come to you and trust these people because i've been in these situations too where somebody's like taking you into their house or something you're like this might be it or i might have a good meal and you just throw that trust into the world and to people and you open yourself to those experience. And that I think is the change that a lot of people, um, if you travel, you're going to have that new outlook on people in the world. And I'm sure that's what you experienced too. And that's the thing I try and share with people because there's amazing experiences awaiting you out there. If you just let them happen. Exactly. Let them, let them happen. And, and yeah, I think that's the biggest thing you can do when you get back is to share your experiences in that sense. And, you know, the, the, the I mean, I, I don't think the message should be go ahead everywhere, completely safe and go for it. And, and you know, 
Um, of course, you have to keep your wits about you, but mm-hmm. the majority, as long as you have an element of common sense and you, you go out there with a smile and a positive attitude, you're going to get that in return in bucket loads. And the one thing I've learned more than anything is how to be a good host. I mean, people, you know, now I'm like, I've told so many people around the world that they're welcome to come to Wales and stay with me. If they all take me up on the on the on this, I'm start charging because I tell you, <laughs> but, but people are so open and giving. It that has something that's rubbed off on me. I like to think some of it has rubbed off on me at least, and um, I always try and and make people feel welcome as 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 they did to me, you know. And I've just lost my headphones. Yeah, exactly. Both Jim and I, we've got it down when people come to visit us here. We know the routine. It's one day of dirt biking. It's one day of riding down the Pacific Coast Highway. You know, it's like... Yeah, lovely. Yeah, yeah. We're we're very fortunate where we live, and we'd love to share that with people as well. Um, before we let you go, I want to have you spell your name so everyone knows. Your website, you want to spell your name for everyone? It's stephjevons.com, so it's S-T-E-P-H-J-E-A-V-O-N-S, stephjevons.com. There you go. And, I, you know, there's so many experiences we didn't get to cover. I mean, um, you, you went up to, like, through Canada to Alaska. There's so much of Asia. There's so many things. This is why you have to read the book. I'm sure it's all in there, yeah? <laughs> read the book! <laughs> yeah. The Haley, book. Haley, share us one of your highlights. What's one of your favorite sections or stories in the book? Just <sighs> just to give people a teaser. I mean... You're on the spot there. That's it. You're on the yeah, spot well, now. Go! <laughs> yeah. it, like, for me, it's just like the whole sort of unraveling of the events and the changing of attitudes and and mm-hmm. Steph like quite sort of openly talks about her her life and why she did this trip pre mm-hmm. pre so you get a real sort of sense of understanding about who she is as a character and um the things that she's had to face and and the real cause behind going out and doing this but then you know when she when she talk when she's talking about um you know coming up to the boat in Antarctica and she's describing this scenery and then in the book you have all these pictures and things as well you're almost there with her and it really is something that um i can well imagine uh was a life-changing moment and um just the way that uh, stuff is very real in the way that she's speaking and it's funny i mean it takes a lot for me to be engaged in any book full stop and i've literally not put this down since i've been since i picked it up so Honestly, if, if if I can read a book end to end, it's a good book. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. And and Steph, I wanted to thank you for for coming on and sharing your story. Um, we love talking to people who are a great inspiration, uh, who are just true bikers through and through. And again, that's why I love that you're doing everything. We didn't even talk about riding in the snow, Jim. There's YouTube footage of her riding the the bike that's converted the ski on the front and the tread oh, on the back yes. in the yeah. snow. Oh my god! Oh my god. Uh, no, Yeti is that what it's called? The the Yeti. Oh my god! <laughs> you have to try that if you ever get the chance. Obviously, go for it. <laughs> it just looks insane. But to me, that's just that's a true biker through and through. I love seeing what you what you're doing and uh, can't wait to see, you know, how many lives you're going to affect or change through the book, through your videos, through your storytelling. Um, and, you know, for that, I'm going to say thank you. 
Thank you. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's been a real pleasure. It's, I mean, it, these kind of trips are really for 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 um, for, for you, first of all. They're, they're quite selfish things, and then to start learning that you're you're you know affecting other people and, and the emails that you get and people. Somebody even saying thank you so much. I've, I'm 75 years old and I've decided to start riding again. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite emails ever. And so if it's given anybody a little hint of inspiration, then I'm very proud. Yeah. I've got to throw it out there as well. Like you are one of my idols as well, looking, looking <laughs> to ride and things. And I love anybody who rides dirt bikes. So um, <laughs> it's, it's been a real nice sort of experience getting to know you a bit better through the book uh, as well. Yeah. Well, you're very welcome in Wales. Anytime you fancy that ride out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great thing that you've done. And it really does inspire a lot of people, myself included. <laughs> yeah. Just don't bring a KTM out there, Haley. Yeah, someone no, to yeah, deal with the breaking down. Leave the KTM. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have... I have tools. We'll be all right. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, but do you have torques? Because those friggin' KTMs and their torques, man. Fucking hell, yeah. No, (laughs) I'm teasing. Well, um, I think we're ready to to sign out. Um, Thank you again. StephJevons.com. Read the book. Be inspired. Get out there. Go do things. I always tell everyone... um, be a better rider, be a, you know, rider, ride faster, ride further, ride longer, ride harder, be a better rider in all the ways. And a lot of times being a better rider has nothing to do with being on the bike, but being a better person. And uh, yeah, you seem to be a good example of that. So um, this is where I'm going to do a, a little sign out and then I'm going to, we're going to do a little roll call. And uh, when I say my name, everyone take your turns and Steph, all you got to do is say your name and then we will be out of here. Haley, you know, the routine, Jim knows the routine. So I'm going to say thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers. Uh, thanks for hanging in. Um, Send an email to RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com if you'd like to get some you know, more info on Steph Jevons. Uh, or if you just want to give us a, a question where we're here to answer it, uh, and go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com for even more information to see what our lovely faces look like. And you may fa- find a picture of Jim with no pants on, just preparing you. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, thank you very much. I think we are ready to get out of here. This is Liza. This is Haley. (laughs) (laughs) This is Steph. Naked Jim. And we are out of here. (laughs) Cool, cool. Jim, what comes after we are out of here? I take my clothes off. You always tell me to do that because you have to inspect my things. You're killing me, Smalls.